Well, hey, I'm Todd, and I want to welcome you to another reading of the Bible. Uh, We are taking a break from the book of Acts, and we're reading the Passion Week. Uh, This is the week leading up to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And we started with Palm Sunday, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of him being in Jerusalem and Bethany. And then yesterday was Thursday, and yesterday he had uh, the Last Supper with his friends, and he said goodbye to them. He said, uh, you know, he told them many things, and he encouraged them for the, the things that they were about to face. And very late in the evening, they leave, they go sing a hymn together, and they head out to the Garden of Gethsemane. And I say very in the mo- early in the morning because we pick up the story on Friday, and it's sometime after midnight. So you can pick a picture, it's like 3 a.m. in the morning. And that's why when Jesus has such trouble keeping his disciples awake, it's because it's the middle of the night. <clears throat> I'm going to read from Matthew 26 and 27, a couple selected um, comments. So here we go. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. He said, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. Okay, so we don't usually picture Jesus anguished and distressed, but he's facing death. And even though he's the son of God, and even though he knows how it's going to turn out, he still has to face it as a man, as a human. He's 100% human. He's 100% God. And so when he's facing this, the human side of him is overwhelmed with anguish. And he asks his friends, just stay with me. Just be with me. Just hang out with me. I can't do this alone. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, I want your will be done, not mine. And that's kind of an overarching theme that we've been reading throughout the Bible, that Jesus wants us to seek God's will, not our own, even though knowing that we can ask God to do things that we want. And that's what exactly what Jesus does. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said, Peter, couldn't you watch with me for even one hour? Keep watching, pray, so that you will not give into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Up, let's go, let's be going. Look, there's my betrayer there. Now he does this the same three times where he goes off to pray and he comes back, and the third time he just says, Fine, you guys go to sleep. And then he sees this, he sees his betrayer coming. He says, Everybody up, look, my betrayer is coming. And even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with the crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. The traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and he gave him a kiss. Jesus said, My friend, go ahead and do what you've come for. Can you imagine knowing that this guy's betraying you to death and you still call him friend and you still say, go ahead and do? I I have to imagine that if I'm Judas in this moment, I know that I have done extreme wrong and that I have betrayed somebody who I should have never betrayed, but he does it anyway. It says, then the others grabbed Jesus and they arrested him. And they, it's crazy to me that they come to him with clubs and swords when Jesus is not a military leader. He's a teacher. And so they take him in and they drag him in and they, uh, they take him before the chief priest. The chief priest, they yell at him and they uh, accuse him of things uh, and they even beat him a little bit. And now we're going to go on and we're going to see him standing before the Roman governor. It says this, Now Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. 
Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus replied, You have said it. But with the leading priests and the elders made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all the charges they're bringing against you? Pilate demanded. But Jesus made no response to any of the charges. Much to the governor's surprise. Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year there was a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Messiah? Now, think about this. This is an audacious claim. Pilate, who is in charge of the Roman area, and the Jews are just a part of that, the Jews can't kill Jesus outright because that would be illegal, because the Romans say you can't exact uh, murder on somebody without us doing it. So they bring him to Pilate because they need Pilate to kill him if they're going to have judgment. But Pilate doesn't really find anything wrong with him. And so he says, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll just put him out there with Barabbas and they'll, they'll pick Jesus. They'll take Jesus. And he asks this question, who do you want? A known terrorist, a known murderer, an insurrectionist, someone who is uh, radical, someone who is guilty of all of the worst things in society? Or do you want this leader over here who's a a, uh, religious leader who's been healing, who's been doing good things, who's been teaching you, uh, uniting you, bringing you closer to the God that you call your God? Who do you want? And we can look at that and think... That's crazy. They would obviously pick Jesus. But the crazy thing is that we are Barabbas. It's this audacious moment where he's having to pick between the two. But the reality is we are Barabbas. We are the murderer. We are the insurrectionist. We are the sinner. And Jesus stands in our place. When we go before God, this is this mock trial, this trial that's happening, is a foreshadowing of what will happen when we stand before God. Let's continue reading. It says that Pilate knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? The crowd shouted back, Barabbas. Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? They shouted back, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Imagine being Jesus and hearing the crowd shout at you, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared back even louder, crucify him. Pilate saw he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. And all the people yelled back, we will take responsibility for his death, we and our children. So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead tip whip and then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and called out to the entire regiment. They stripped Jesus and put a scarlet robe on him. They wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head, and they placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. Then they knelt before him in mockery and taunted him, Hail the king of the Jews, and they spit on him, and they grabbed him with, they grabbed him with the stick and struck him on the head with it. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they put on the robe uh, and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to be crucified. Along the way, they came across a man named Simon from Cyrene, and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And they went out to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. Now, think about these events. Jesus has just been given up for death. 
He's been beaten again, this time with a cat of nine tails, whipped to bloodiness. He's been mocked, he's been beaten, and he has the power to change all of this, and yet he doesn't. Why? Because he loves us, and he knows this is the only way to rescue us. The soldiers gave Jesus wine mixed with bitter gall, but when he had tasted it, he refused to drink it. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Now, I want you to picture the cross. It's a, you know, a wooden instrument. They nail you through your ankles. They nail you through your wrists. And you actually don't die from the cross or the nails. You die from not being able to breathe because you have to pull yourself up on those nails. And you have to push yourself up with the nails in your legs. You have to literally fight to keep yourself vertical so that when you are, you know, not just hanging, because when you start hanging for that long, you can't breathe. And so Jesus is hanging there on the cross, fighting for every breath. He's getting mocked. The people below him are are casting dice for his clothes. And then it says this, um, then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A sign was fastened above Jesus's head, announcing the charge against him. It read this to, it read this, Jesus, King of the Jews. Uh, In other parts of the Bible, it talks about how the religious leaders wanted to get rid of that. And the Romans were like, no, that's what you accused him of. That's what we're going to do. So it's very fitting that the accusation is actually true. He is the King of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you're the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but why can't he save himself? So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we'll believe him. He trusted God, so let him let God rescue him now if he wants for him, if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. So again, picture the scene. Jesus is sitting there in this cross. There's three crosses, two revolutionaries. It says in other parts of the Bible or translations, it calls them murderers, killers, and thieves. And so these guys are guilty of the crime that they're being killed for. Jesus is not. Why is he taking it? Again, he loves us. We are Barabbas. He's doing it for us. He's doing it for all these people that are mocking him. Every single person mocking him, he's doing it for for them. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. And uh, at absolute, at about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachitani. I probably butchered that, but what he said means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And I read that and I thought, when I was younger, I thought, why is God, why is Jesus abandoned by God? He's not abandoned by God. He's quoting a psalm, and I encourage you to read it. I believe it's Psalm 22. Go back and read it because he's, he's quoting a psalm that, that depicts the scene that he's, very, that he's sitting right in that talks about them casting lots for his clothes, that he's surrounded by dogs, that they're shouting jeers at him, and yet, God, you will rescue him. Then Jesus shouted out again and released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, the Roman officers and the other officers, the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake that had happened. And they said, this man truly was the son of God. Now, Roman soldiers don't get terrified of anything. And yet they were terrified at this moment. And they realized the error of their ways. And they shouted, this man is surely God. It's late in the evening. And this is the day before the Sabbath. So they have to get everything done. So they 
actually take him down from the cross very quickly. He dies within time, and it says this, As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph wrapped the body, or took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen and cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb and watching. So this, I think it's great that Jesus was buried in a tomb that wasn't even for him because he didn't need the tomb. He was going to be released from the death in three days. So he borrowed a tomb. He didn't even have his own tomb. That's just so cool. So today is a day we celebrate the crucifixion. We call it Good Friday because we know how good God is and that he let Jesus go to the cross. I know this message is probably three times as long as my normal ones, but it is probably the most important message in the entire Bible is how Jesus would stand in our place. And so let's pray. God, we are murderous thugs. We are horrible at our core. God, we are sinners. We are the ones shouting at you. We are the ones casting lots for your clothes. We are the ones nailing nails into your arms. We are the ones whipping you. And yet you did it for us, even knowing that's true. You died in our place because you love us. You went through this immense pain because you love us. And today I pray that you would help us to see that. And that God, we would take that love and we would give it to other people that we would share the gift of your spirit, that we would share the gift of your love with other people so that they could know what's about to happen on Sunday, where you are going to be released from death, freeing us from death for eternity. God, we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.